Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. Last week, we discussed whether as countries question their currency dependencies, globalization itself is dead, as Larry Fink at BlackRock recently suggested. He said the Russian invasion of Ukraine has put an end to the globalization we've experienced over the last three decades. But like Mark Twain said, (laughs) we think reports of my death are greatly exaggerated and Lori and I don't agree. Today, we want to reiterate a few key points we've made over the last few podcasts, from globalization to foreign exchange and what it means to be the reserve currency, as well as our own bull bear debates, and then to consider the impact this will have on investments and where, as a result, we feel people might want to turn their focus going forward. Tom Friedman published his book, The World is Flat, on April 5th, 2005. He said the world was flat because the competitive playing field between industrial and emerging markets was leveling, and individual entrepreneurs and companies were becoming part of a large global supply chain extending across the oceans. Three years earlier, in 2002, your Equus report titled Creative Destruction, you said the same thing, that a massive shift was underway to outsource and focus on narrower core competencies. Things were going global, you said, and with the widespread use of the internet, you'd realized we were on the verge of an even playing field, the implications of which would be immense. But as Seth Godin observed, change is the new normal, and while a lot of people are beginning to talk of things like onshoring and reshoring, globalization, while it may diminish, is going to remain a formidable force for years, if not forever, if only because it's important to China, for which trade with the U.S. and the EU accounts for nearly 70% of their GDP. I think the word we've coined is regionalization, that some sort of hybrid model will evolve depending on resources and what makes the most sense in each given case. Because time is money, And with rising shipping costs, the savings we reap from outsourcing overseas for the sake of cheaper labor, this can easily be offset if the price of oil remains high and adds weeks to delivery time. But going back to economies of scale and the notion of companies focusing on narrower core competencies, which, again, was such an impetus back at the turn of the century, companies like Apple and Tesla have found how important it is now to be in control of key components like semiconductors and their supply chain, because a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, and missing a single part 
no matter how small and seemingly insignificant it might be, it can bring everything to a halt. Again, companies in all industries are taking another look at vertical integration these days. That means there'll be times when it may make sense to localize a company's supply chain and footprint in whatever market they're serving. So what does this all mean when it comes to investing? We've suggested on several occasions a focus on the U.S., but does that mean we should be getting all of our foreign exposure and diversification when it comes to equities through our own multinational companies alone? Well, to a degree. Though I do think we want some exposure to some of the more democratically governed, more capitalistic countries, to those with natural resources, for example, and young, well-educated workforces like India, Israel, and Canada, as well as Vietnam. And we should remember, even though war may disrupt things temporarily, it may also lead to an uptick in the kind of immigration we want and need from some of these countries because of their skilled and educated men and women. Domestically, with interest rates on the rise, especially given the rate at which they and prices have risen in recent years, we probably want to avoid things like housing, home builders, and mortgage lenders, giving it time for the cost of raw materials to fall and for supply and demand to work through the bottlenecks we've built up during the COVID-related lockdowns. But even there, we're already beginning to see innovation at work through the use of things like 3D printing, prefab housing, and a focus on smaller or even mini homes that are more energy efficient at lower cost for Gen Y and some of the younger millennials who may have been shut out of home ownership. Also, when it comes to staying local, what about small and mid-cap biotech? There's a lot more risk and volatility in these names than either of us feel comfortable with in general, but there are some interesting ETFs worthy of consideration because their valuation, according to a recent Barron's analysis, is well below historic levels. We used to say two times cash was sort of the bottom in any industry, but about a fifth of our biotech companies are trading today at two times or less their cash and short-term investments, and more than a third are trading at three times or less. So biotech's a group worth looking at. For my part, as you know, I'm still leaning towards precious metals, which, in my opinion, includes Bitcoin. I know the latter especially is still speculative and highly volatile, but as we highlighted in our discussions on exchange rates and reserve currencies, If there's one thing we've learned from the sanctions that we and the EU recently imposed on Russia, it's that we can cut someone off if we want. And now that we've done it for a country the size of Russia on this kind of scale, the next time it'll be easier. And as far as I can see, both the dollar and euro have now ceased being stores of value backed by the full faith and credit of their issuers. We've proven that in some ways we're no different now than China when it comes to targeting someone who does something of which we don't approve, whether justified or not. And by preventing Russia from using the foreign exchange reserves they had on deposit with central banks, I believe it will have a negative long-term effect on our world's international payment system. This, in part, is why Jack Dorsey's on such a mission – to free people wherever they live of their dependence on banks of any kind. To be sure, he's an idealist who, like Ayn Rand, or maybe even me, may be dreaming of a world that will never exist. 
but he is fighting for the little man to lower costs, reduce friction, and in the process, protect people from those who might be inclined to dictate whether a person's entitled to keep what they earn or not. The point is, who, from now on, will want to keep their reserves at any other country's central bank? If those reserves can so easily be confiscated, and that, for now, leaves them and us as investors with gold and silver to be stored in our own safety deposits and Bitcoin to be stored off the grid altogether or on some mechanical device if someone we know is successful in creating one. You may be right. To be sure, both euros and dollars may not be as widely accepted as mediums of exchange over the longer term, which in turn could mean that our fiscal deficits, which until now have been financed through our current accounts with other countries, will have to be financed domestically. And this would likely lead to a lower exchange rate for the dollar and higher interest rates. As part of that regionalization we've mentioned of a company's supply chain and manufacturing being relocated to whichever country they're selling to, different trading zones may emerge as well. For example, one in the U.S., another in China, and another in Europe. Yeah, I'm sorry to say I'm not so sure about Europe, Lori. There'll be instances, of course, like Tesla's doing outside Berlin for their new Gigafactory. But given the fact that Europe has the world's highest labor costs, the greatest regulatory burdens, and now the most expensive energy, I'm not sure where that leads them. And capital, I think, will leave to go where it's better treated. So thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. And if you did, that you'll share it with friends and family so they can enjoy it too. This is Lori Cammy and Barnaby Levin for the Plutonomics Podcast, signing off. LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and any investment opportunities referenced may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or for statements or errors contained in or admissions from the obtained data and information referenced. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. 